We can rebuild him. We have the technology. Better. Stronger. Faster. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. The Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. Now officially sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest intel about the team, Duke recruiting, and more. If you want to vent after one of our many losses, including this week to UNC, find out who's coming in next year because we absolutely need some help. Or if you just want to chop it up with AC and I, come down to the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum. We will be there every single day. And as you can probably imagine, AC, the boards have been lit over the last 48 hours after that pathetic performance against UNC. I mean, it's it's a it's a fired up fan base right now. I mean, we, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till you see what we got coming today. I mean, seriously, it's a, it's a fired up fan base, which, which is good. It's not a it's not a fan base that's relegated in in mediocrity. We're not used to this type of thing. We've been we've been very spoiled for the past decade, and you know what? Maybe this is a wake up call for everybody. We're not invincible, and and this is this is not just some elite eight loss, you know, that we could have could have avoided. It's you know, this is a whole season of of mediocrity for a program that's not used to it. So you know, we take our lumps, we we take our lumps, and we move forward. Yeah, and and so let's get right to it with uh, that that performance against UNC. Um, you know, I'll let you break it down, but it, it, there's not really much to say, right? You know, we just didn't. We didn't show up. We, yeah, we no, never got. We never. We never got. We, ne- we never get off the bus. We looked scared. All. We looked scared. We looked terrified from the second that we walked into the Dean Smith Center. It was embarrassing. Yeah, this this game was over before it started. There was no, there was no fight. There was no hope. There was no urgency. It was. It was a team. You saw a team that kind of knew what their fate was, and it seemed like they accepted it. Like, yeah, you know, not not try, not sitting here trying to say the players didn't practice hard or, you know, whatever. Like you know, they have their lives to go through. Who knows what what the hell is going on at this point, man? Like and we've talked about it ad nauseum all season. Like it's it's more of the same. It, it's Groundhog Day. It is the same thing over and over again. If we sat here and tried to break this game down with stats and everything else, we'd be saying the same exact thing we said back earlier in the season against Michigan State. We'd be saying the same thing we said against Illinois. We'd be saying the same thing we said after we lost to Miami. Like, it's the same thing in every single loss. It is we were outplayed, outcoached, and outtalented the entire time. And that's just this team. This team this season is – that's what we are. If I told you that we only had 15 turnovers in this game, if I told you that Jeremy Roach, Goldwire, and Stewart combined would only have three turnovers and we would get the doors blown off of us, um, I'm going to say you're probably crazy, but to be honest with you, this is kind of a situation where the box score, the box score lies because they played terrible. They were horrible the entire game. DJ Stewart did a couple of nice things, but, but really it was, you know, you're looking, you know, it's the whip cream on shit type of deal where he's looking a little bit better than everybody else because everybody else looks so atrocious. But I saw a first half where we couldn't dribble. We couldn't pass the ball. We were passing balls out of bounds. We were, you know, dribbling balls off our feet. We looked like a sixth-grade team that has never played before. Yeah, it you was, know, it was clearly out. a beaten team. Like, we're, we're a beaten team. Beaten down mentally. They, they beaten didn't want to be physically. there. Yeah, it was 
you're, you're there's gonna be a this off season. There's gonna be a lot, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit more later. But there's there's gonna be some changes, and there may you know there may be some surprising changes that happen. But there's gonna be some changes, and whoever whoever's willing to stay, and whoever whoever's willing to accept what happened and move forward with it, they're 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 gonna have to come out better because there's no way you can get worse. We said the last podcast, there's no way we can get worse. Like can't get worse next year than what we've been this year. So. I don't know, man. I like. I think we're a fired up fan base because we know we can be better, and we know it can get better. And I think that's why everybody's so pissed off. You know, Coach K. Family said, um, "You know, when he first started, here's to never forgetting tonight." Um, and and I would say the same thing. Here's to never forgetting this season. Here's to never forgetting uh, what took place against North Carolina and Chapel Hill against against a team that really isn't very good. I mean, we made them look. All world, all but the teams not, we lost to aren't very good. Like none not, of them are good, except not, for maybe Illinois. Like none of them are good. Illinois and, and maybe Michigan State, who's come on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, we we've made plenty of teams this year look all world when they're not. And you know, Moses Wright just won the ACC Player of the Year, uh, and he probably solidified that with his performance against Duke. Uh, yeah, that was, last that was Tuesday a- night. That was a case of the end of the season for him. And that's the thing about it. Like, that's the thing about this team. You got Jordan Goldwire on an all-defensive team. You got Matt oh, Hurd, the most improved player and all this. You know what I mean? We have we have players that they they showed something. Like, it's not like we didn't show anything. It was Like, like we had that four-game stretch. Like, let's not forget the four-game stretch that happened where we looked like we were a team to be reckoned with. And that UVA game was a box score. Like, this UNC game, that was a box score that lied. Because you look at the box score, we should have lost to UVA. But we didn't. We fought through it. We made it work. It, it was the exact opposite against UNC. So, you know, there's there's plenty of things here and plenty of blame to be passed around. But clearly the voters said that we had talent on our team and we didn't perform like it. Um, you know, that, that just sums it up. You know, Matthew Hurt, we're going to get through our uh, five-point play podcast report cards for this season. Um, you know, but Matthew Hurt, he did deserve – the uh, the most improved player he you know he had a very nice season in terms mm-hmm. of um where he was last year so no no um qualms about that i think the jordan goldwire no. all defensive team is in name only um you know he does some nice things from time to time you know with steals and getting himself in the passing lanes but he's also a matador on defense as well so um but you know i'm not picking on goldwire because he he does more with less um than anybody else on that team so um, you know, that's being, you know, what it is. But let's move on to this UNC thing because there's really not much to talk about there. We we, we knew what happened. We didn't show up. And so I want to switch gears now to, to overall this year. I'm not talking just this season. I'm talking the last 12 months of Coach K. Coach K's performance over the last 12 months. AC, you know I have a lot to say here, so I'm going to give you the mm-hmm. money first. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see what you got to say. But I'll I'll keep it brief because because I I know I know what you want to get into. Here's the deal: it's hard to just place blame on anyone. You can't 100% say it's the players. You can't 100% say it's the coaches. However, and it's, and I said it earlier in the season, caught flack for it on Twitter. You and I had our own conversations about it. Being a coach, like you are, it's your responsibility to get your players where they presumably can be or need to be. 
when you have like Mike Young, he wins ACC coach of the year because he took a team that probably shouldn't have been good and made them a good team. If there was an ACC worst coach of the year, honestly, Coach K probably would have taken that because he had the most All-Americans and All-Stars and everything else coming into the season and and took them to, to the seller of the league. And it started this summer when everything happened with COVID and we don't even know if we're going to have a season. And we were a team, unlike most of the other teams in the country, who just never recovered from that. And you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the players are having their own issues with it, you know, whatever. That's not for us to speculate. What we can speculate on is we saw a team that had no creativity, no ability to use the pieces that it had on the floor. And quite, quite frankly, no willingness to even try anything different other than some different lineup combinations. That was it. Like his, his creativity this year was, Hey, let's try this lineup. Oh no, let's try this lineup. Oh no, let's put this guy in. Oh no, let's sit this guy on the bench. That was it. We didn't, the offense was the same stale offense last season. The defense was the same bad defense last season. Nothing changed. And 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 Kay talked all season about how little practice they had. And Kay is a practice – he's definitely a practice coach. There are some coaches who their best work comes in games. His best work comes with his ability to motivate guys behind the scenes and, and make things work in practice. And if you have a season where you do have limited practices, and we know most of the season he wasn't even at the practices because of – COVID concerns and things like that. So, so you know, when, when that's already happening, it's already a death knell for your seasons. So this one on me with Kay, his, in my time as a Duke fan, it's the worst I've seen him. And it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that it's circumstantial. I'm not going to sit here and play the age game or anything else like that. It, it's hopefully it's circumstantial. And it was, it was a failure on all accounts on the coaching staff this season. Yeah, it's absolutely what it was. Um, and, you know, I've said for a while that it's not always all one person. Um, but, you know, where I want to go with this is, you know, let's talk about the ACC tournament, right? I'm not saying that I'm rooting for us to lose on Tuesday. Um, you know, I'm always going to root for us to win. But ending this season is what is best for business. It's what's best for this program as a whole and everyone involved. And I originally had said, you know, when Jalen Johnson got dismissed or left, however you want to phrase it, um, I liked the move because I thought that, you know, the more time that guys like Roach and DJ Stewart got together, the more minutes for Williams, the more minutes for Coleman, for a field guys like that, the guys that you know are coming back, it's only going to prove and pay dividends going forward. And um, it also and still- seemed like a change in the status quo, too. Right, and, and and I still and I still believe that. Having said that, though, uh, I don't believe what's best for business is, is to continue going on uh, because it's just it's like a cancer. And you got to stop it at the spread and just and it's over now. It's over now. So if we lose to BC, if we lose to Louisville, if we lose to Florida State, it's over, and it needs to be over sooner than later because we need a a complete whitewash of this whole thing. Uh, the program at starting at the top needs to really reevaluate where we are. This team needs an entire makeover. You touched on a lot of it, and it starts with Kay. He's got to take a real hard look at himself in the mirror and figure out where his priorities are. Because as you touched on, you know, over the last twelve months, over this summer, his heart and soul was not with this team for this particular season. You know, it might have been with you know his players, or you know, he may have had the best interests at heart. 
but it wasn't with this particular team. You know, Coach K always talks about leading with the heart. It didn't have his whole heart and soul in it because his mind was elsewhere. You know, you talked about he wasn't even there for, you know, half the, the practices. Whether that was justified or not is irrelevant because he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier in, in the season talking about how maybe Coach K, you know, might need to just step away for the season, um, you know, for whatever reasons. You know, not all of this is on him, of course, but other coaches, other programs, they adjusted. They stopped making excuses a long time ago, and they adapted. We did none of those things. Kay did none of those things. And I'd argue he did the exact opposite. He destroyed this team's chances before it even got a chance to get off the ground. Duke was the last team in the conference to start practices. They were the last team to get their games underway. They took the moronic step of canceling the rest of those non-conference games and then never scheduled them back. That hurt us not only in development, which this team blatantly needed, but it also hurt us in our record. Other programs, like the one down the road that we just got whooped by, they were aggressive, and they scheduled more games to boost their resumes and help their programs. They did none of those things, and he did it by choice, and that was cowardly. The only thing, in my opinion, more foolish was the women's team opting out of the season, thinking that others would follow their lead. Instead, they look like woke morons. Now, my opinion here, AC, is that Kay listened to the wrong people. He got some bad advice from the quote-unquote experts. They were proven not to only be wrong, but laughably so. On the bright side, though, and this is where I'm going to show it over to you, is that Kay has shown throughout the years that he's willing to adapt. It's probably his biggest strength. He's willing to reevaluate his program even he even says that all the time, that every five years or so, that he's going to, you know, reevaluate and take a, a, a good, you know, rear view look at what the team and the program did over the five years and make adjustments. So I have faith that he will do that again. And by the way, he's earned the right to do that. One bad season in 40 years doesn't mean that, you know, you need, he needs to get the ax or, or whatever. Having said that, though, if after this period of reflection, K decides, that he just can't do this anymore for whatever reasons, then he just needs to gracefully exit. You know, this program that he has built has this very, very strong foundation, a foundation that you and I have touched on over the last three years of doing this podcast. It can sustain a losing record once every 30 years. It's not about our wins and losses this year. It's not about our record. You know, this program can sustain that, uh, you know, and probably can do it a couple of times. Um, But what it can't, what I can't do is continue along the path that is on this year. You know, this program has been built so strongly that it can even, you know, sustain the transition that is eventually going to occur between Kay and whoever takes over from him. But it can't be a continued half-assed approach as it was this year, especially when the leader, like Kay, is not all in. It can't happen again. This year was eye-opening. It was alarming. But I do trust AC, I do trust Kay, and I do believe that he can turn it around. We'll say you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's we have 25-plus years of experience as Duke fans knowing that a bad season comes around every once in a while. Like, it's, it's, it just happens every, every little bit. Like, it, it, feels like, it feels like the bad Greg Paulus and Josh McRoberts years feels like that was like a decade-long thing. But really, in reality, it was only about three years. You know what I mean? So... And, and and really that came at a time when Kay really had to look in the mirror and change what he was doing 
with his program in terms of how he was recruiting guys, the things he was making guys do, like just something as simple as allowing guys to, to have their hair the way they want. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was a big change for him when it was so famously in the media that, you know, they have to cut their hair and all the other, no beards and all those things. Like he's, he changes, like he adapts and we know that. So let's, let's look at this season as an anomaly and not as, this is who we are now because for for a while now we've heard a lot of fans even say you know all he does at this point is roll the ball out and that's it and I don't I don't buy into that theory one bit I, I do think this team needed him on the floor more than he was able to give and who knows maybe behind the scenes maybe he was there for them in a different way and that was his focus this year maybe his focus this year was let me just get my kids through this without them wanting to jump off off a building you know what I mean because because, you know, early on when this thing was happening, there were very, some very worried and scared people. And and maybe that was his focus this year. Maybe his focus this year was, you know what, my kids' mental health is more important than any wins in the win column. So if that was the case, fine, so be it. But let's let's say that. Let's not let's not keep giving excuses. Let's just say that. Let's say what it is. Like I'd I'd love to hear the staff say I, I would I would respect them if they said this year our focus was on the mental health of our players and we're Duke and this was a season we we knew we weren't going to win a title and we chose to focus on what our kids needed off the court versus what they needed on it and you know what if they said that I'd be I'd be fine with that answer if if the staff came out and said we're not going to play in the NIT this year because we're Duke and we're too good for this we've We've played too bad this season to even want to be in another tournament. So you know what? We're we're the season's over for us, and we're going to reevaluate and move forward. I would take that and be like, "Hell yeah, you're right." But like, let's not just keep making excuses in the media. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to see us turn an NIT invite down because of COVID concerns. Like, I, I don't want to see that. Like, I, I don't need to see that. That's like whether whether or not that's what you're saying. It's just it doesn't at this point. It doesn't hold water. And and in the public eye and everything, like when when clearly your program was sinking this season because of the 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 stance you chose to take from the beginning. So right, I'd love to get a chance to talk to you know some of the some of the Duke parents that follow us on Twitter or something. You know, maybe for guests in the future to to kind of see where their heads were at with how how their their kids were handled this year. Because I think I think in terms of the safety aspect, as if I was a parent of one of those kids, I'd probably be happy about it. But if I'm a parent of a kid who's trying to get to the league or something else, yeah, I wouldn't be so satisfied. So we'll see, again, we'll see who sticks around. We'll see how things work out in the off season, but whoever stays, I I really do have a feeling that next season, despite whatever recruits we get in, I, I have a feeling that we'll see some, some better play out of our guys next year because I think there'll be some different motivation. Yeah, I mean, it can't get any worse, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and we'll get to our report card in, in the next segment, but, you know, to kind of touch on what you said, you know, and, and kind of how I started my rant, it was, um, you know, if if we get an, an NIT, you know, invite, um, you know, I, don't, I, I can't speak for you, but I, 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 don't, I don't think we should take it. Um, and it has I don't either. I don't think it has anything to do with us being Duke um, or or anything like that. I, I think it's just best for, you know, you talked about the kids' mental health. I think it's for that reason. I think it's for the uh, the, the staff's mental health. Mm-hmm. I think it is for the overall program's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, this season, it, it needs to end sooner than later. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not going to root for us to lose. 
Tuesday against BC. But if 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 we do lose, it, it won't be the worst in the world. Believe me, we we need to cut ties with this season. But you know, the one thing you know that I wanted to, to ask you, um, you know, we talked about this back in December. Um, you know, when Rick Pitino came out and said that he thought that the college basketball season should be paused until you know March, uh, so you know, do main madness or you know, and 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 just kind of push it back. You know, more people will be vaccinated. Um, you know, the, the fear of God wouldn't be there as much, even though um, we just got a alert from the CDC that said even if you're vaccinated, um, you should still limit your uh, interaction with other people, which doesn't make any sense in the world, but I digress. Um, Kay listened to, to me, Kay listened to the wrong people, you know, and he kind of hitched his wagon to a university with an agenda um, with, the, with the whole COVID thing, and you know, when he came out and said that we're just plowing through the season and we're just, you know, doing this and we shouldn't be playing. Everybody was all over them. But I think that he probably thought, and I know you think this, AC, that he probably thought that everybody was just going to listen to him and, and blindly follow him. And at, at the end of the day, they did the exact opposite. You know, they didn't bat an eye and they basically gave him the middle of the finger saying, nah, we're playing. We know the risk. We know what's going on. We're going. And most most famously with Nate Oates saying what he said and, and doing what he did. And he and you know what? He spoke for his program. He said for his program, his guys needed to be on the floor. And he was right about yeah. that. Like that, that's the thing. Like, and that's why I can't that's why I can't speculate on Kaza. And maybe he's seeing something in his own players where they just they didn't want the season. You know, I mean, especially in the beginning, no matter what. And and quite frankly, a lot of people have been, you know, scared and nervous about this virus. I'm I, I'm out there seeing it working because I, I'm a firefighter in the DC area. So I'm working and I see it and it's not a hoax virus and it's not, it's not something right. that doesn't exist. So like there are people, there's, I mean, there's firefighters in, in my fire department getting very, very ill because of the disease. So it's, it's just, it's, it's just, there's, like you said, there's, there's a hitching of the wagon. Like this is the direction we're going with the season and this is, and we're sticking with it. So again, if, this if this is the last season of Duke basketball and then the program just dies in flames because of this one season 20 years from now then we can come back and say you know what this is where it started but i i tend to think that we will recover from this and maybe maybe he has better retention with the team this season than maybe he would have had in the past years maybe he has maybe they come back better and and more trusting of him because again from you know from a from a, a standpoint of at least taking care of your kids, no one can't say he didn't at least try to take care of his kids. Like as, you know, as, as strict as they were about the regulations and everything else and, and being the only ACC team that didn't allow fans and some of the other things at the very least, you can't say in, in this time period with what's happening, he didn't at least look out for the kids in a non-basketball standpoint, because he absolutely did that. So you know, as a parent, that's kind of all you can ask for from your coach. And he stood by his word on that. So at least he did that. So, you know, again, if, if we can move forward out of this, then this is just a blip on the radar. If this is if 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 it dies in flames on this, then you can probably say it. it you can start saying this because of that. That's kind of where I sit on that. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And while I disagree with uh, the way it was handled, uh, if your intentions are on that and you said it earlier, then, you know, you need to come out and say that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to come out and say that our focus this year wasn't on our on-point performance. Uh, 
And while I don't agree with it and while I don't like it, um, I can accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, because, you know, your heart is in the right place. And, and Kay has shown for, for decades and, and all of his former players will tell you um, that they would take a bullet for him 10 times over um, because of what he's done for each and every one of them. So in, in that respect, I, I, I can say, okay, you know, I understand, you know, what you were doing. I think that you got some bad advice. I think that, you know, you, you went about it the wrong way, but I can respect where your heart was uh, within it. You know, so so there's that. I could continue going on about it, but I did want to ask you one thing. We talked about this yesterday offline, and I just want to be very transparent uh, with the people who listen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Coach K the new Dean Smith? Yeah, yeah, he is. And it's funny because he's kind of alluded to that. He, he made a joke about it on one of those offseason ACC interview things from like last year because it was – him, Jay Billis talking. I think it was one of those interviews that surrounded the uh, the team that saved uh, Duke or whatever that that documentary. But he was talking about he brought up the example of how he famously, you know, uh, famously challenged Dean Smith in a press conference and challenged the ACC about the referees and how they officiate UNC versus the rest of the ACC very early on in his career at Duke. And then he kind of made a, a quip about, and now I'm there. And so he knows it. Like, yes, he is he is now for sure the Dean Smith of, of this time period. And 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 that's where that's where we are. And that's and he's it's it's the Batman line. It's it's you live you, you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's what that's what Kay has done. And that's as Duke fans, that's what we accept when we we take on the mantle of being a Duke fan. So that's why everyone is so pissed off because we see ourselves in the mirror and we see we see what we don't like, which is we see that that old UNC and everything. So, it, you know, it is what it is. It's it's what you become, and I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. Like he's yeah. earned it. You know, what I mean, like I'm I'm good. Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, and you know, Kay was the new kid on the block, right? You know, he came mm-hmm. in and him and Jimmy V uh, famously, you know, working it back down to the almighty, you know, Dean Smith, um, and it's 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 come for full circle where, you know, now you have the Nate Oaks and, and countless other coaches that aren't going to, you know, bow down to, to Coach K. You know, you, you always had the, the, the Izzos of the world that are going to lick the ground that he walks on. Uh, but these new guys, they're not going to do that. And, you know, I wouldn't do it either if I was in that position because they're trying to build their, their program. You're trying to do what he's doing. Well. Somebody right. else is going to be the new Coach K at some point. Like, exactly. you know, well, so it's just, it's how it goes. It comes with the territory. You, if you want to be on top, you got to accept that people are coming after you. And I, th- I think well, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think we've I don't think we've not done that. It's it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's where we are with this season. It's why the Nate Oates thing happened in the first place. And when it happened, you know, we were we were we were very pissed off about it. And Duke fans in general were very pissed off about it. And and even as a whole in college basketball, a lot of fans, you know, it was a very polarizing thing. But now you kind of see where the season went. And again. Maybe it was better for Nate's program for that to happen for him, and maybe it was better for Kay's program to happen for the way it happens. Let's just see what happens next year and, and use this as a bookmark. All right, well, let's, let's close the, the year right now with a little five-point play report card. Uh, we're going to go right down the roster, uh, AC, you know, and we'll, we'll give our you know, quick individual one grade for, for each one of our guys. And I want to start with uh, the freshman point guard out of Paul the six. Jeremy Roach, what letter grade do you give him? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give him a solid a, a solid C for the season. I think he was super a C for 
well, it wouldn't be for inconsistent, but inconsistent. He was very inconsistent this season, and I think that's what we should have expected. It's what we said to expect, especially him coming off a big injury in high school. Didn't didn't play well all season long. Played well in spurts. Played well against certain opponents. Played not so well against certain opponents. And the one thing we saw out of Jeremy, actually, the one thing we didn't see out of him really was his his athletic ability, he didn't showcase all the time. And I think yeah. when he showcased it, he was really good. And when he, when he kind of pumped the brakes, he wasn't, it's, it's kind of where it, it lies. And I would, I would love to see him in the off season continue to work. And he's, he's one of those players that I really want to see next season with the squad. So I'd, I'd give him a C. Yeah. I gave him a C minus. Um, you know, you said it all. We've been harping on an all season that, Jeremy Roach, the Jeremy Roach that we got was going to be, you know, an inconsistent player all year long, have highs, have lows. Uh, the last four games, unfortunately, uh, last, you know, basically three or four games, uh, he just didn't bring it. Um, he, quite frankly, looked terrified against Caleb Love in the two matchups that he played against him. Um, you know, his numbers aren't terrible. He, you know, averaged almost nine points a game. Uh two and a half assists, you know, he, he shot better than we anticipated. He was not, when he came in, he was not looked at as, you know, uh, a good shooter. Uh, he only shot 29% from three, uh, 68% from the line, but he he was better than he anticipated. So uh, for that, I gave him a C minus. Moving on to his freshman buddy, DJ Stewart, what do you give him? I'd give him a B. Yeah, I'm not giving him a B plus. I'll give him a B. I'll give him a B because I think he 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 scored well. He looked he looked very much like the freshman Luke Kennard, where he, he could have a game where he'd go over, or he'd have a game where he'd go twenty for you. And he he was a microwave this season, and I think that shows signs of of good things to come. But that's not going to be in our report card. Potential is not in our report card. It's how they actually actually established themselves this season. I'd give him a B. I can't give him a B plus because I think his defense was was pretty bad. It's by his standards because he's he's a he's a defensive guy. So I think by his standards, his defense was bad. So I'd love to see him next season get in that weight room, see what he can do, and and come forward. Yeah, DJ Stewart uh, was just named to the first team All ACC freshman team. Uh, I do think that that was deserved, but he probably yep. played himself out of the uh, freshman of the year over the last uh, four games or so. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I gave him a C plus. Um, I thought that. You know, again, he's another guy that we actually predicted accurately. Um, you know, he had that Luke Kennard type of season. Um, you know, 25 points one game, zero the next. Um, you know, he was completely out of control uh, a lot of times throughout the season. And that has to be something that he fixes, you know, with watching more tape, letting the game slow down for him. Kay even mentioned it during the year where the game was just way too fast for him and they're driving out of control with no destination. So, you know, he he shot 34% from three. I'd like to see that come up. Uh, he was good from the line. He, you know, shot 81 there and 43% from, from the field overall. He was a good player, uh, but he has to take a big step forward next year. But uh, at the C-plus, you know, low B that you have, and I think that that's right. Uh, and, then, and then kind of rounding out the, uh, the backcourt, uh, Jordan Goldwire, we already talked about the fact that he – uh, was named to the, you know, all-defensive team in the ACC. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, does get a lot of steals. He had 2.3 uh, steals per game, which is 
a hell of a lot. Uh, he had some big moments this year. Uh, he had some big moments, and then he had others where, you know, he'll be known for not being able to make one of the layups. But, you know, a guy, a guy that, you know, I think, you know, played above his pay grade, you know, four years, you know, we got more out of him than I ever thought we would, but I gave him uh, a C plus as well. I'd give, I'd give him that, that, I mean, I'm giving him that, that B minus B range for him as well, because I think he overperformed on the offensive side for the most part, because he had to. And I think he underperformed on the defensive side from what we know he can do. So that really kind of dropped his grade. So yeah, B minus, I'll sit him on a B minus. And now a very polarizing one, I think, and it's going to be interesting to see where we both land on this. Wendell Moore. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how it could be polarizing. I think he, he was again. This, we're going to say the word inconsistent a lot, so be ready. Inconsistent, and there were times where he gave us, he gave us something. And quite honestly, I, I can't blame him for anything that happened. There's a lot of blame being placed towards Wendell, but he's not. He's not a top scorer. He's not a first option. And he was being thrust into that role in a lot of cases. And he couldn't handle it, quite rightly so. It's like at, like if we asked Jordan Goldwire to be our top scorer, it would have been the same thing. We'd be saying the same exact exact thing about him. So for Wendell, in terms of how he played, I'm giving him a really a C minus. Like it was a bad season for Wendell. He was put into a role that he didn't belong in. So hopefully next season he sticks it out and next season he comes back with a team where he can actually play the role he's meant for and we'll see a different dude, but this season C minus easy. Yeah. I gave him a flat C. Um, you know, he was average at best. Um, you know, he's a guy that talked about him a million times on this podcast where he's just, like you said, he, he should not be the number one option. And I think that the expectations of him after hearing some of the off season reports about him dropping 40, they uh, they were just they were either lies or it was a, a gym class warrior, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gym class all star. Uh, you know, the guy averaged ten points this year, you know, a little bit under ten points. He was nine point mm-hmm. eight, right? He he only averaged four and a half uh, rebounds a game. Um, you know, he's a guy that if he's your third, fourth, fifth option, that means you have a pretty good team. And and the expectation for him, um, they just they were not correct coming into the season, you know. It's a little unfair to 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 say that you know about Goldwire. We were expecting him to be the the leading scorer. Yeah, we'd be we'd be worse off. But mm-hmm. you know, Wendell, even though that's not who who he is, uh, he was he was a much higher rated player. He was a five star kid coming in, so the expectations are going to be higher. Um, you know, basically anything that Goldwire gives you, you kind of look as as you know gravy. Uh, Wendell underperformed. Um, versus the expectations, and I think he also underperformed versus his capabilities. Um, I think he's a great kid. I think he works hard. Um, I think that his basketball IQ uh, took a step back, and, and it's, it's a little bit weird because, you know, he, he can be a playmaker. He can be that kind of Chris Turnwell guy, um, but we, we just haven't seen it. And so he needs to have a big offseason. He needs to be you know, in the gym, working on his, you know, jumper. He needs to be working on his three. He only shot 28% from three this year. That's just not going to get it done. Um, you know, he needs to be a guy that is going to be a leader next year. We're going to need them. And, uh, you know, so I think he is right for him. Um, this one's going to be real quick. I don't even know if you have a grade for this guy, but Jalen Johnson. I do. <laughs> I do. In, in, the, in the pantheon of Duke one-and-done players, He's going to go down as the worst because of how things ended with the season and the type of season that we had. 
And again, it's another, rightfully so, like the way he performed on the court. Now, you look at some analytics and things, it looks like he had, you know, a spectacular season. But really, the truth of the matter is he didn't. And he had some great flashes. And that's kind of where it stays. So because because it was a flash in the fan, because of who you are and what you're brought in to do, just like you said, with Wendell being a five-star player, this dude was a top recruit in his class. You saw him drop, and I guess now we see why we started to see him kind of fall in the rankings. So he's he's getting a D. He's getting a D from me strictly because you did not perform this season. I'm not giving him a D because he left. I'm not being extra harsh on him because of that. I'm being harsh because of the reality of it. he was not a good player for us this season. Yeah, I gave him an Based A. Based on expectation. I gave him an A for his dunk. Against Clemson, uh, mm-hmm. that was that was clearly the highlight. But overall, for all the reasons that you mentioned, and I'm not going to repeat them all. I, he has an F for for me. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just the the reality of it. Moving on, Henry Coleman. This one was tough for me. Yeah, that's it's it's that one's difficult to to work with because he didn't get the chance I think that he needed to get. Henry Coleman is a guy that I'm not saying he needs 30 minutes on the floor. But he needs a little bit more time for you to to really feel his actual impact. And and even when he was on the floor, the times that he played, he brought something to the table. And I, I really hope next year he gets a chance to couple with the the superior offensive talent that we have coming in because he's a glue guy. He is an ultimate glue guy that wins you a championship when you have good talent around him. Not when you rely on him to be the talent, but when you have good talent around him, he's the one that brings it together. Again, this is not based on potential. This season, he didn't play much. In the times that he played, he started out rough. He got better as the season went on. He didn't do anything spectacular. So I'll put him at a C, C minus, only because he just he didn't get a chance to really perform. So, but you can see what's available in his game. And so I really hope down the road he gets a chance to show that he's better than that. Yeah, I have a C slash incomplete. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, a lot of the things that you just mentioned, we did hear. Yeah, incomplete's fair. That's definitely yeah, an incomplete you know, progress report. If uh, a lot of uh, college uh, recruiting gurus uh, will know the name Clint Jackson, we've had him on the podcast in years prior. Um, he is from Richmond, Virginia. He knows Henry's game very well. He actually thought that he'd be tough to keep off the floor this season. Um, you know, I respect, you know, Clint as much as anybody with his opinions on high school recruits and, and coming in. His basketball knowledge is out, you know, is up there. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, he just couldn't find the floor this year. And, you know, many times it looked like he was out of place, a little fish out of water. He didn't fit this um, team. Like, this team right. needed other things than what he was able to give. And, you know, we called for him a lot of times to play because he, he does give us things we needed, but it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have made a difference in the win and loss column for this team. It really wouldn't have. So incomplete for me, uh, you know, C minus or so for you. I mean, I think we're all on the same page. Um, Patrick Tape. And incomplete, I'm going, you set a nice standard being able to give these guys an incomplete because I think it'd be unfair to say he was a failure or anything else. He was brought in as a, a grad transfer. I'm still fuzzy on the rules as to whether or not he can come back or not. But, you know, if he comes back, then that's that just bolsters our front court because he is a, a big, a big, strong guy who can play the game of basketball. If he doesn't come back, cool. You know, it's it is what it is. So I'll give him an incomplete because you know he was out with the back injury. We never really saw him play, so incomplete. 
Yeah, for for uh, for Patrick Tape, I gave him an A for his last name, um, <laughs> but I gave him uh, a D. Uh, he kind of reminded me of a skinny Sean Ruby, where like he just mm-hmm. you know he got on the court and it was it wasn't pretty. You know, I didn't expect much out of Sean Ruby when he came in. Right. I didn't expect anything out of pa- uh, Patrick. I know that you didn't. You certainly didn't. You know, especially when he committed. But, you know, I'm not going to pile on the kid. If he wants to come back, great. If not, you know, is what it is. Joey Baker. Yeah, I think this one is going to be an absolute fair assessment. I, he, he gave us hustle. Let's make the compliment sandwich happen. He gave us hustle. He <laughs> cheered his teammates on. And he was he was somewhat of a leader. Like, he was, you always saw him talking to the guys coming off the bench. He always, you know, he kept his head up. He wasn't hanging his head because he wasn't playing. I give him all the credit in the world for that. But you came to Duke for pretty much one thing and one thing only, and that was your shooting ability. I'm not even going to pile on him about his defense or anything else. He came to Duke to be able to shoot, and he could not see the rim this season. He 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 caught the yips in a bad way. So, you know, he, he gets an F, like, in your role, be a star, and he couldn't do it. So he gets an F from me. Yeah, uh, I gave him a D. You know, I thought about giving him an F for, for all the reasons you you mentioned. Um, he gets a D for me just because I think that there were times this year where he was used incorrectly. I thought there were times this year where guys just simply didn't find him when they needed to. Uh, and I don't think that he, you know, played, you know, earlier on, you know, potentially the minutes that would have helped him confidence-wise. But, you know, at, at the same token, you know, maybe he, you know, didn't earn them either. So, and, and based, based on how he based, shot, I don't know that on, he did. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, you know, you know, he, he hate to use the R word, but he definitely uh, regressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's something that I can't stand even saying, but uh, it's the truth when you look at his game. Um, I think with him is 100% between the years. Uh, you see the ability, especially from, you know, his, his form but it is absolutely mental for him. And, um, you know, I don't know uh, what his future is uh, with Duke, but we'll get to that next. Mark Williams. Yeah, Taylor, a tale of two seasons. Uh, the beginning of the season very much looked out of place. The game was too quick for him, and then he just, good Lord, just settled in. Like, he's I, – I, I would love to see him – I'd love to see him stay four years and just selfishly. Like I'm usually on the side of the players go, go pro or whatever. He, he should go pro whenever he wants. It's just, I, as a fan, God, I want to see him play for four years. Cause I think he, he's going to break a lot of records and be probably one of the best, best low post men we've had to do. Yeah, like based on the seat, the way he ended his season, I don't see how he couldn't be. I mean, he's athletic as hell for a seven footer. The, the wingspan and reach that he has is out of this world and he can he can change he changes games specifically just by being on the floor regardless of what he does and then he still performed this year i mean he he, he was great to end that season man i i good lord i want to i want to see more mark williams and i want to see him keep playing his sister was at duke for a long time so i'd love to see him do the same but give give me a give me a b plus for mark i, I love what he did to finish the season yeah, I have the same grade uh, from Mark Williams. I got B plus, and and I'm smiling uh, because mm-hmm. not only the way he finished the year, uh, you know, when Jalen left, it opened the door for Mark Williams, and he took full advantage of that opportunity. And you love to see that. You love to yep. see when an opportunity is presented to you to for you to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since that UVA game, which just wasn't a good matchup for him, and he only played seven minutes, 
you know, he's averaged 16 points over the last four games. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, will go and get you boards. He, he's a strong shot player. He can protect the rim. His hands have gotten so much better. So much he, better. You know, he, you know, the low, the, the low block steals that he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has to learn to, to, you know, kind of control the foul in a little bit. But one of the things that I, that I'm so uh, optimistic about is the way that he played to end this season. When he finally got that opportunity, makes me feel really, really confident going into next year. And I don't want to get too much into that because we're going to talk about the roster outlook next. But mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll see more on that. And then, you know, to, to round it out here, um, Matthew Hurt. It, it, it can't be for me. It can't be anything other than an A. I can't give him an A plus just because of the defensive side of the ball. But it, it, it's an A. Like, far, far exceeded what I thought he would do in terms of how he would do it. Like, just the, the the degree of difficulty on his shots was insane, man. And you knew he couldn't keep that up. Like, he had that stretch, and you just knew he couldn't keep it all up, and he couldn't in like, the, the way the season ended. But, man, like, he was so close to being ACC Player of the Year, and I think he, I think you could make a case and say he deserved it, but the, the last couple games definitely knocked him out of contention. But, my God, he played so well for us. And we would have lost by yeah. 30 most of these games if it wasn't for him. Yeah, you know, if he gets any help uh, against Louisville, you know, he may have locked up the ACC Player of the Year right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't have a great game against uh, UNC either time we played him. Um, he did have a couple stinkers in there, which probably cost him. But overall, I thought that he would be our leading scorer this season. He was pretty much right on the number that I gave him, I believe. I, I think I said yeah. 19 and, and – and, eight or something like that and he was basically 19 and six so you know like you said the degree of difficulty on his shots was otherworldly he had a hot streak i haven't seen anything like that at duke i don't think you know what i mean it is it is if it's not the top it is right up there with any hot streak that we've seen from a duke player that includes the jj reddicks the luke canards you know it was it was impressive i mean that at one point he was shooting 75 percent from three uh, and, over a four and he was being covered stretch. like that wasn't wide what? open. It wasn't wide open three threes. I mean, it is it is very impressive. I don't know uh, that he has a long career in the NBA, but he will have a very long career playing professional basketball. He's another one, man. I wish yep. and you, go get your money. I, I I'd love to see him come back. I would absolutely take Matt Hurt back, mm-hmm. especially with guys who are coming in. I would absolutely take him back. I know he's I know he's a liability on defense or whatever. We can handle that with some of the guys we have coming in and the guys who are staying. I would love to see him back because that's like he's he's a, another dude that his, number twenty one would be retired if he came back, and, and I really firmly believe that. I think his jersey number would be retired if he stayed all four years in Duke. I really do. Wow, um, that sounds like a, a fun off season uh, conversation right there. I, I think um, so. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think that you know where, where my uh, my grade is here, but uh, you know I gave him a B plus, A minus again for all those reasons that you, that you mentioned, you know. But for the staff, we got one season, more player though. We got one more player. Oh shit! I, I long long forgotten. This, you know what? This, yeah, is, no, this is so yeah, appropriate. It's, it's so appropriate, actually. It's so appropriate. I mean, after the way I hyped this guy off preseason, the way he paid paid. Uh, my prediction for him early on and then just let me down. I, I, I forget the guy, uh, Jamin Brayfield. So Jamin Brayfield to me is a C minus. Uh, and a lot of that is, you know, he just couldn't sustain the energy. You couldn't sustain 
the, 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 the strong play that we saw from him early on. You can make a number of different reasons for why that might be the case, and I'm sure that you will, but it was a C minus for me. I'll give him I'll give him a B minus. No, I can't. I can't do that. I'll give him a C. I'll give him a C and I he he far exceeded what I thought he could do. I just I didn't see how he fit with this team initially, the way our team looked, but the way our team panned out, he ended up being exactly what we needed. And he was a big reason why we won those four games in a row and, and still gave this fan base a lot of hope. Like he's he's so he's he's good and I, I i wish he knew that because i don't think he played like he knew that he was good if that makes sense I, yeah. you see him consistently especially towards the end of the season he was k drew up plays for him to be that guy at the free throw line and i don't know how many times he gave that shot up and and turned it over really because he just wasn't didn't want to shoot wasn't ready to shoot he, there's so many parts of his game that I would love to see him with a full off season with the staff at a place he loves being. He loves being a Duke, and a full off season with with a good and motivated staff. I would really like to see what he becomes because I think I was I was down on where he could be and where he could go with this team and the team coming in. And I really I, I think he's going to be a lot better than that. So I'll, I'll give him a C, and I want to see more. All right, and so again, uh, my bad, Jamin. Uh, quite ironic. But yeah, let's finish it up here. What's your grade for the staff? The staff as a whole, I'm giving it. I'm giving them an F. It, it was it was a failure of a season for basketball. We went into all the other reasons earlier, so we won't rehash. It was a failure for basketball and the way we played. So straight up F. Yeah, I think if you listen to the uh, first part of this podcast, you know that my grade is an F. No need to rehash it. All right. So moving on, we gave the guys the grades that we have, but now we got to talk about our roster outlook. And this mm-hmm. is going to be this going to be a come to Jesus moment because you you talked about it right at the top. You know what's going to happen here? There's going to be some turnover. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. You know you have a season like this. You know you can place blame in a number of different places, but the bottom line is is that when something like this happens, changes need to be made. Let's let's talk about it, AC. Let's talk about the guys that are slated to return. So I'm not going to include Matthew Hurt because you right. know, both of us believe that he's gone. You know, I'm not going to include uh, Goldwire or Pay in this conversation because they yep. have the same connect in terms of whether they want to keep playing or not. So everybody else, though, should come back. Um, I think we need to start with Joey Baker. Do you believe that Joey Baker returns? I think I think he does honestly. I honestly think he does. He's he's a North Carolina kid. He he loves being at Duke. However, he has two years of eligibility that he can use, whether he chooses he's going to use that or not. Maybe he's kind of in the gold wire boat where he's not keen on coming back for an extra season. He's already been, you know, he he came in early out of high school and everything else. So, it, for him, for him, it would probably be better to seek playing time elsewhere because I don't know that he's proven that he can play over the guys coming in or that he's proven he can play over the guys that are still here and presumably would be back. So I, th- I think for, for him, it would be beneficial. I, I would, I would like to see that kid go get playing time somewhere else and, and be who he, he can be. However, if he wants to stay at Duke, obviously he's a Duke player, man. He's in the brotherhood. Like, Stay and, and and do your Joey Baker thing. 
you know, th- this team is going to need shooting next season. And if he can offer that and come in for spot duty for five or six minutes and shoot, cool. If not, there's not really a place for him on the roster next season, especially with the minutes these guys are going to eat up. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, the only real opportunity he would have next year is to be that microwave off the bench mm-hmm. where, you know, we need we need a three. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like at the end of the Georgia Tech game, uh, you know, he doesn't play much and then comes in and, and he hits a three. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't, you don't play. It's pretty much that simple. I think that, you know, it, it depends on where his priorities are. And if his priority is to get the degree at Duke, uh, then by all means come back. Um, and I'm not sure where he is. A lot of guys, you know, can graduate early with all the summer school stuff. So I don't know where he is in terms of progress on his degree. Um, right. So he might be able to do both. But, you know, in terms of basketball-wise, he should probably, you know, take a hard look at some mid-major uh, programs that would give him a better opportunity to play, you know, yeah. significant minutes. And it's just not going to happen at Duke, certainly not next year. The point guard spot is one that has really – come under fire over the last two weeks. We correctly predicted what Jeremy Rose would be this season. Having said that, does Duke need to go out and explore another point guard option, whether that be through transfer, anyone else out on the recruiting trail? Do you believe that Jeremy Roach will still be the starting point guard for Duke either next year or in two years? I absolutely do. I, I think Jeremy's staying. I don't think that's a problem. I think he went through a lot and mentally he's kind of fried, especially coming off of his, his rehab was, was rough. And that was something that was hard on him to not have, you know, not be able to kind of finish his career out and to have, to have the injury that he had. He, he came in and I think he, I think he performed flat out right where we thought he would. And no, I don't think we need to go out and find anyone else. That means we got to go out and somebody has got to learn the system all over again. And what you may or may not have a typical off season, who knows how, who knows how Duke is going to proceed with this summer. We don't need to come in and teach somebody else something different. I don't need, we don't need a Carly Jones. That's not the type of team we have coming in. Is that, that's not the type of team that we are currently. He's, he's the guy. He knows the guys. He knows the recruits coming in. Like, He's he's solid to me, man, and and I don't want to see anybody else. I don't need anybody else. We got Jeremy. Yeah, this one's interesting to me, uh, and it really depends on who you talk to. Obviously, you're going to be uh, in the camp, you know, because Jeremy's your guy. Uh, you know, the more I thought about it, you know, I think that the concerns that people have are legitimate. Um, you know, there are a lot of scouts out there that that I've read that you know they don't believe that Jeremy's going to be you know that elite point guard that Duke needs. But I can also look at it a different way, and I can look at it, you know, if you had asked people after certainly the first year, possibly two years, of Quinn Cook, they were having these same kinds of conversations. And I do think that it is, they're very similar to me. Uh, the more, you know, size-wise, uh, the type of athletes that they are, you know, can, you know, Quinn Cook wasn't some great three-point shooter coming in either, but he got along great with the guys. He was a locker room guy. You know, his his attitude was contagious. He became a phenomenal leader. And, and now people look at Quinn Cook completely differently. And mm-hmm. I think if you talk to Quinn Cook, he's very open and honest about that. And, and he's he said as much. One of the greatest things you can ever watch, AC, is Quinn Cook's senior speech uh, mm-hmm. at the at the banquet. 
Yep. I was just about to bring that up and I was just about to bring up his whole, his mindset. And I, I think, I think the biggest, the biggest factor here for Jeremy is going to be Nolan Smith. I think Nolan experienced a lot of what Jeremy's experienced and he can speak on, on all of that with him and he'll have a lot of conversations with him to end the season about sticking it out, not wanting to leave because you don't feel like you belong or whatever else. Cause I, I, I guarantee you he's feeling that way. And I, I, we, we have, we have the best people in the staff possible to be able to help him through and make it, make a decision for him. And, but I, I don't need, we don't need to go out. There's no other point guards left in the recruiting class to try to get that would replace what Jeremy Roach could give us. I don't think Jeremy Roach's ceiling is Jason Williams. And I don't think his floor is, is Tyler Thornton. He's right in between. He's not elite for college and he's not, he's, he's going to be one of those guys to six around for four years. And you remember him like Cassius Winston, like he's just, he's going to be there forever. And the game is only going to get better for him, especially with talent. Like he, a good DJ Stewart and maybe even a good Jalen Johnson probably makes Jeremy's season look and feel better, but he didn't have that. So he, he gets, he gets a good DJ Stewart. And then if these recruits come in and do what they're supposed to do, then his season and he's probably going to feel really great about a season and how he, he turns out. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Uh, I think that it's going to be interesting, um, you know, because he has that ability to be a leader. But, you know, like we talked about, or at least I mentioned, you know, when he saw Caleb Love, he he folded like a cheap suit. Yep. So yep. like he has, he, has to, he has to grow some stones, too. You know, yep, um, we, if you're the point guard at Duke, you have to – got to have some, some balls on you. And, you know, he, he's going to be that kid that, you know, this offseason he has to be a leader because he, he's the point guard. You, even though he's only a sophomore and he had his own ups, ups and downs, he's got to be a leader this offseason. So, okay, so we talked about Joey Baker. We talked about the point guard spot. We actually alluded to Mark Williams, and I want to kind of change the subject to that for the outlook. Um, let's talk about our starting five for next year as you see it right now. Do you see it being – Stewart and Roach in the backcourt, along with Griffin, Bancaro, and Mark Williams right now. Yeah, there's there's no other uh, unless Patrick Baldwin comes in. There's no other starting five, and if Patrick Baldwin comes in, that just moves Griffin to the two, and then he plays the three. That's kind of how that works out, and and then DJ and Jeremy kind of fight it out for that last spot. There's there's no other starting five. Like Wendell, I think is going to be a super six man next year. I think that's his. I think that's his lot at Duke, at least for the for the foreseeable future. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you you have a guy like Wendell as a six man. That's a really good option. So, yeah, that's 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 the starting five at the moment. It's Mark Williams, and Mark is going to be more than just a a role player. Like he's going to he's going to be looked at for offense at times, which I, I love. It, the, the prospect of having Mark as as an offensive force is excellent, especially it opens things up for the other guys. So, yeah, I think it's our five. Yeah, and so you know, I I kind of look at it as you know, I look at Ben Carroll. I've told you, and and I you know, I think you kind of like this analogy. I think that he is a more athletic uh, Jabari Parker. Uh, and if you look back at the Jabari Parker year, the thing that he was missing was a big man. He you know he was forced to play the five. Uh, virtually the entire season, uh, Marshall, Marshall Plumlee wasn't, you know, well advanced enough to, to be able to help him. And so I think that Bancaro is going to have what Jabari did not, and that's going to have a capable, trusting, 
center at you know anchoring the five so that he doesn't have to. And, and he's got plenty of options too. Like Mark, <laughs> you got Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Like even Jamin can take the five over for Paolo so he doesn't have to do it. Okay, so let's talk about Jamin Brayfield. What does he do next year? Does he does he come back? Does he want to be a Duke? You said that he wants Duke. Do you see that happening? Or do you say he sees um, you know, the roster coming in and, you know, potentially have, you know, the addition of Trevor Keels as well. If that happens, does he look at that roster and just say, hey, I, you know, I don't fit here? If if Pat Baldwin doesn't show up, then he's he's firm. I think Jamin's firm in his role on the team, and I think it, it can only mean good things for, for him and hopefully for Duke. I think a sophomore Jamin isn't, isn't very far away from a freshman Pat Baldwin, but Pat Baldwin is just one of those players that he's just so good at the game. Like, but I don't think it's not like Jamin's like a, a distance away from him. He can give us some of the same thing, shoot the three, you know, some of the intangibles, but, but if Pat comes and I think Jamin has a, I think he has a decision to make for himself and it's, can he, can he come in and just, create a role for himself like he did this year in a team that's full of just big time players. Like that's, that's going to be his thing. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting. And I, I just don't know. Um, I want him to come back guy that uh, I will never forget again. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, you know, I can see a scenario where he looks at the, at the roster and just says, you know, I don't think that there's enough minutes. Um, because if you think about the program as a whole, um, you know, they're going to have to do a hard, you know, makeover. And, and that could be Kay saying, hey, I'm only going to trust seven guys next year. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going to, you know, play them to death. And we already know that six of them are going to be locked up. Um, so, and that's not even including, you know, heels. Because I, I believe that more comes back and I believe that he will still get, you know, 20 plus minutes a night. Um, what do you see in terms of Wendell Moore um, for next year? I, I don't, I don't think unless, unless somebody is underperforming and that presumes starting five, I don't know that he ever starts a game next season, but he can absolutely make an impact being a guy who comes in from multiple positions. He can come in if, if he can improve what he does, he can come in, in like a backup point guard capacity. He can come in in the shooting guard spot. He can come in at the three spot. He can he can even kind of give you an undersized four if you would need it, but we have so much in the front court next season, we, we won't need it. So he, he's really firmly in that back court. And I think he will finally be kind of like he was in his freshman year when the team finally started rolling a little bit and when Justin Robinson came in and took over. In that four spot for help, he will finally be in a position to just do what he's asked, which is the intangibles on the perimeter. He'll be able to defend. He'll be able to rebound from the guard spot. He'll be able to hit some open shots because the defense will be keyed on other people other than him. And I think he'll see an easier season, quite honestly. I don't know that there's a lot he's going to do in the offseason to make his game much better other than maybe just trying to figure out how to stop turning the ball over so often. I think that's his biggest bugaboo at the moment. So I don't see him becoming a much better shooter. I don't see him becoming a much better finisher. He's not going to get more athletic. Like there's not a lot he's going to change. He's just going to become an older and presumably better player and a better player that actually fits into a role. 
Yeah, it's just going to be a better fit for him. You know, he's yeah. not going to be asked to do things that he's not capable of and certainly not going to be asked to do things that the team um, can't get from other players. Um, so I, I think that he actually fits in nicely next year. It'll finally mm-hmm. be that team where, you know, he can be that fourth, fifth option when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's absolutely perfect. And I think he's lethal, um, yeah. you know, because I do think that he has, you know, potential there. Um DJ Stewart, I guess he's going to be, you know, the last guy we kind of talk about. And I want to kind of lump that in with your opinions. And I know that you're close to the program um, at Paul of the Six. Um, I expect DJ Stewart to come back. I expect him to be the starting shooting guard. What do you see with Trevor Keels? Does he come to Duke? And does he push Stewart for a starting role um, at the two guard? I, I think he does come. And I think that if DJ is not consistent, then I think he absolutely pushes that role because Trevor's a kid that needs to see the floor and he's going to see the floor. And he is not afraid of anyone. And like DJ is good. He was very good this season. His first team, all freshmen. But if he just kind of wallows in that and he just kind of gives us the same thing next year, then Trevor's bigger, he's stronger, and he'll, he'll fit that role better. So it's 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 a really for DJ his his NBA career and his his Duke career is going to hinge on this offseason. If anybody has a make it or break it offseason, it's him. Like there's a lot he can do to change his game, and really it starts with the weight room and starts with him getting stronger as a player and being able. You saw him kind of at the end of the season start to finally attack the basket and take contact and stuff, and that was I love seeing that because it shows like he knows like he knows what. The, the the staff and he knows what he needs to to fix and he tried to fix it like he tried to go out and 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 try it because that's all you can do if you if you don't try it you never learn so he tried it and he failed he wasn't a good finisher at the rim but he tried and I love seeing that and so give him give him a good off season with Coach Will and I really I really do hope big things for DJ Stewart and I really hope he plays his way into the draft next season because I, I think he's capable of of being being a, a huge scorer for us. Yeah, it, it's all right in front of him if he if he wants to go out there and take it. Uh, he has mm-hmm. to he has to really improve and tighten up his entire overall game. Uh, he has to get himself up to being a thirty eight plus percent three point shooter. He's capable of that. He mm-hmm. missed a lot that were wide open this year, and he made some tough ones. Uh, very Luke Kennard esque, and Luke Kennard, we all know what he did when he came back and played himself into you know a first round pick. Um, DJ absolutely has that that capability. He doesn't have the size that Luke did, but he's uh, a better athlete. Uh, he's quick as all hell. He can mm-hmm. control the ball, um, but he has to watch a lot of tape, a lot, you know, a lot of tape. Same with uh, Jeremy. They have to really learn the game. They have to hang out with, you know, Shire, um, hang out with Nolan Smith, you know, really learn the game. Um, you know, I think that if they do that, they can be two phenomenal leaders and be part of, one of the best backwards in the country if it'd they be, do those things. It'd be very interesting to see if he ends up starting at the point guard spot and and Wendell starts at the two. That'd be interesting. I can almost wow. see that scenario. Yeah. Because yeah. because we don't have really we don't really have a backup point guard. Jeremy would come off and spell him and those two would switch off and then you'd have almost like a, a four man rotation there with Trevor and Wendell and Jeremy and DJ, which is a great four four-man rotation in the backcourt, Jesus Christ. And I, I just don't know if that takes away from DJ's game. 
if he has to play the point guard spot or even if Wendell has to kind of be the de facto point guard. I don't know if that puts us at our best potential. But I can yeah. almost see that lineup at times, which it, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, it certainly is. But the uh, I think the, the word that we can use is cautious optimism uh, for mm-hmm. next year. I think that, that we will have the pieces. I uh, think the adversity that we've gone through this year, and again, you heard us um, at the start of this podcast, and we laid it all out there for you. But I do think that there's reason to be optimistic if you're a Duke fan. You know, we got all that experience. Yeah. What's this? All right. I'll do, I'll do it. I will do it. I'll jump on the grenade right now. I'm cool with it. You saw UVA lose to a 16 seed and win the title the year after. You see Duke miss the tournament. We're going to win a title the year after. The Paolo Boncaro and AJ Griffin, I don't know if our fans understand how good those two dudes are. Like, if you haven't watched any of the highlights from Paolo recently, Jesus, dude, go do yourself a favor and watch them. And then on top of that, we had, like, presumably, if, if they don't even. It, if every if the, the potential we just laid out in this segment, and you have to think op- optimistically about it, if if they if the guys even approach the potential that we just listed, there's no chance we don't win the title. We are the title favorites, and th- there's it's not even a question about that. It's not a question. There's no other roster in the country that can be built better than than the Duke roster. If if everyone approaches their potential, you telling me we have the possibility of having Wendell Moore as a, a fifth or sixth man. Come on, man. There's no reason we can't we can't be a title contender. There's no reason for it. Yeah, you're you're hitting the nail right on the head there. There's no reason for us not to be able to do it, but the work has to start immediately mm-hmm. after after the the report cards are done between the staff and the players, and they decide what they're going to do. It has to start immediately. You know, mm-hmm. go home for a week or two, and then get your ass right back to Durham uh, and start working and never forget this year. You should have your freaking record painted on the, the, the Shashesky, you know, practice facility the entire season, the entire offseason. Every workout should say, you know, 12 and 13 or whatever our record is going to end up being. Um, yep. It should say 90 to 73 or 71, whatever we lost to Carolina by. It should have that in big Duke blue letters. Actually, no, screw that. It should be in Carolina blue letters. Mm-hmm. Right on the weight. Every single weight should have yep. that score on there. Um, let's finish this one up. It's been a long podcast, AC. We had a lot to, to get off our chest. So let's keep this one quick. Let's play. Uh, the predictions for the ACC tournament for us, we play Tuesday, 4.30 p.m. against BC, assuming everything runs on time, which it won't. Uh, <laughs> if we were somehow well, – I'm not going to say if we somehow – the winner of that game would then play Louisville. The winner of that game would then play Florida State. Just give me a prediction on what we do in the ACC tournament. On the, the slide that we're on, and history kind of repeats itself with this particular team, we, when we lose, we go one three-game losing shoes. That's what we do. And I, Honestly, we, we got by by the skin of our teeth against BC to start the season. BC kind of like us really doesn't have a lot to play for. So, but... I think for them to be able to hang with, with the interim coach to be able to hang a win on Duke would be enormous. So I really think BC puts this season out of its misery, and I, I think that's it for us. I think we lose to BC and they move on to play Louisville. It, it, yeah. I don't have a prediction for Louisville because I don't think I don't have us beating BC. But if we do yeah. beat BC, then we lose to Louisville. Um, I think it's going to go the way so many of our games have gone. 
um, this season where we look pitiful, the other team looks pitiful. It's an ugly game to watch. There are head-scratching turnovers, um, you know, where we're just like, have you ever played basketball before in your life? And it'll come down to the last two minutes. And as usual, we won't get we won't get it done. But like you said, it'll it'll put the season out of its misery. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have a scoring prediction. I I don't. Uh, I'm certainly not going to give a Louisville preview because we're not going to be playing them. Yeah, that's uh, I have that feel. I mean, I think I think we lose. Uh, what was it? It was 80, 83 to eighty two. We won earlier in the season. I think the loss is going to be something similar, like eighty to seventy five. I think we lose to, to BC. And that will do it. That will do this version of the 2021 yeah. Duke Blue I mean, basketball season AC real quick, though. You know what? It, it was. This, it's not the season we wanted, but it's the season we got. And to come from a place of the NCAA tournament is canceled and who the hell knows if there's going to be a basketball season at all. And then to get to the basketball season and then who knows if we even play a game again. Who knows if the next game is canceled. You know what? It's not the season we wanted, but it's the one we got, and I'm thankful for it, man. Like we we got a season, and we got to see these dudes play. It wasn't our favorite thing on earth, but we got to see them play. They played. They they played hard. They they did what they they came and came to Duke and and put Duke on their chest. It's again not the season we wanted, but it's the one we got, and I'm I'm proud of them for for just for just getting out there and dealing with what they dealt with. That's for for people that age to to have to go through that shit, man, like I hats off to them for real. Hats off to them. Yeah, give them credit for that. Um, but I want to talk to Duke Nation, every one of our fans, the Duke Brew Brotherhood, everybody that's listening. I want everybody to listen to me right now. In 2021, Kay will redesign Duke basketball. He will rebuild this program and we will come back and reclaim the title that is rightfully ours. So if it's Gonzaga, if it's Baylor, or anybody else, we keep that title warm because we will return and reclaim what's ours. Go Duke! Hey guys, thanks for checking out the 5 Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. 5 Point Play podcast. Let's go Duke!